I'm Mike Olson, freelancer and writer for Skullkickers and Carbon Gray. You're listening to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. This week, Morris and Peter talk about the price of RPGs. In the news, a new Dungeons & Dragons starter set is on the way, Critical Role Adventure Call of the Netherdeep delayed in Europe, an activist hedge fund wants Wizards of the Coast spun off from Hasbro, Free RPG Day 2022, first details announced, and more, plus a brand new sketch about the lesser known colors of dragons. This week on Morse's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. Buy one ticket to the Loincloth Museum on Bargle Street today and get free entry for the whole year. Yes, you can visit the Loincloth Museum as often as you like and immerse yourself in the wonderful world of loincloths. Browse the many loincloth exhibits and marvel at the different shades and textures. It's a truly wonderful day out. A warning, do not touch the loincloths. They haven't been washed. Ever. All the tabletop role-playing news We aim to amuse and we aim to enthuse And Morris is unofficial Tabletop RPG Hello, hello, hello And welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk I am Russ, a.k.a. Morris Or Morris, a.k.a. Russ And with me this week is... Peter Coffey from the Southampton Guild of Role Players. Russ, as ever, it is a delight to be here. How's the weather where you are, Peter? It's windy, man. It's <laughs> blowing a storm. I don't have to fall rain, hail, and other such things which I associate. The accoutrements, if you will, of a massive tempest. But I do have wind blowing like the blowing like Orbilio, and there have been, at various points, glass bottles from my neighbours who did not get the memo from Southampton City Council to say... Do not put your recycling out or rolling down the street. Oh, dear. Well, yeah. my barbecue shelter, which uh, I'm sure you recall because you've uh, yes. done it before, yes. flew past my window earlier. Oh, I see. Uh, I didn't know it had tickets with Ryanair, but there we a go. A ceramic plant pot smashed yes. into the window. Fortunately, somehow didn't break it. Excellent news. Pleased to hear. And the fences are... Doing a little jig. Well, they haven't, they haven't fallen down yet. Let's hope they don't yet. I don't know. Can, I don't know if people can actually hear the wind out there, but it's pretty well. You know. I, I can't. I can't hear the wind out there, so it seems unlikely that our listeners will. But if at some point uh, there is an almighty crash and I go, "Oh God, why?" and rush out from the recording, it will be because the absolutely enormous tree that um, is busy devouring all light and becoming this enormous near giant redwood of a tree a couple of neighbours back has actually finally fallen over in the wind and taken out my fence and also my barbecue mm. which I'll not be happy about well it could be worse it could take out your house that would be as you say worse considerably uh, it, 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 does, it does put me in mind of uh, poor old Kevin Culp uh, a guest on this show who a couple of years back did have a tree almost mm. take out his house and he was very lucky I, I think it did too for his yeah, I mean, I'd say he was unlucky but just I, not, as I, unlucky I think, as he could have been <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I, don't, I, I wouldn't mean, call that lucky. Well, what can I say? The quality of good news has gone really down <laughs> lately. <laughs> All right. Well, talking of news. Yes. We should talk we should about... Do some... I mean, is there anything to talk about in the world of RPGs? I thought we'd solved it all already. Yeah, there's no there's no news in RPGs at all. It's all done. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, we so, can wait so, up so, now. So, so the last 
The last uh, couple of percent of role-playing games has been absorbed by Wizards of the Coast and is now being sold for NFTs. Is that, <laughs> yeah. is that where we're at now? <laughs> Something like that, yeah. So did yeah. you see the news about Dragons of Stormwreck Vale? I did not. Hey. So, I'm listening. Tell me Hasbro, yes. who owns Wizards of the Coast, yes. they posted this short one-minute YouTube video, which is Ooh. kind of like a sizzle reel of its 2022 portfolio of brands. So oh, yeah, Transformers yeah. and Monopoly and all sorts of stuff, you know, loads yeah. of, you know all the stuff it does, and My Little Pony and yes. whatever else it does, loads, loads and loads and loads and loads of things. Anyway, yeah. so in it, very briefly, you know, literally, it's a one-minute video and, and it's there for about two seconds in mm. a corner of mm. one screen. There is an image of a new D and D starter set oh. called Dragons of Stormwreck Isle, and it's a boxed set. Nice. And it, the cover features a blue dragon breathing mm-hmm. lightning in a what looks like a desert-like area. Mm, okay. And then it looks like there's some character sheets, a couple of sort of, I was going to say soft cover, but you know those ones that have the actual paper covers. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the yeah. way they do in the starter sets and some dice. <laughs> so and that's it. It's just a, just that picture. There's no nothing else. Yes. And it's on the screen for about two two seconds, and then it goes away. Yes. So I suppose but it was on the internet, so I imagine speculation can only be described as rampant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, this is their 2022 sizzle reel, so whatever it is, it's, well, whatever it is, it is a D&D starter set. It literally says so right on it. D&D yeah. starter set, Dragons mm-hmm. of Stormwreck Isle. It's yes. coming out this year. Yes. We don't know when. Yeah. It hasn't actually been announced. Mm-hmm. But there was a press release accompanying the video. Mm-hmm. And in that press release, buried towards the bottom, was mm. the D&D starter set, Dragons of Stormwreck Isle, with a price of forty nine ninety nine. Oh, $50. Which is really high for a starter set. That is like a uh, player handbook size. That's like twice money. the size, twice the price of previous starter sets, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. That's pretty, I mean, it, see, it seems like you're asking for the buy-in for a full game at that point. Well, looking at it, it does look, unless there's bits of it that is not, are not in this picture, a box with yeah. two paper cover, um, you know, two two booklets yeah. and some character sheets and some dice. So pretty yeah. much the same as Fandelver, the yeah. first one. Yeah. The green the green dragon. Um, which which would, yeah, so which would, say, yeah. good. Yeah. It wasn't forty nine ninety nine. It was not forty nine ninety nine. And it looks similar in scope to that from what I can see wow okay okay I mean we do like a good box set but I mean there's a good yeah. box set there's a 50 quid one 50 dollar one and that is quite a difference in money that might be a mistake I suppose yeah, it's possible maybe. or maybe there's just like loads of stuff in there we just don't know oh yeah all that I mean that's basically all we know about it we know nothing yeah. else Hello, your editor Daryl here. After the recording of this episode, it was confirmed by Ray Winninger, the head of D&D at Wizards of the Coast, that the $49.99 price was incorrect and that the actual retail price will be released with Wizards of the Coast's official announcement with details about the product. Uh, well, obviously, Storm Recall, maybe that's in the Forgotten Realm somewhere? Well, nobody's heard of it. Oh, People okay. have done searches for it. It, right. it doesn't appear to be. Or if it is, it's quite obscure in the Forgotten Realms. Well, perhaps, as far as we know, there is all sorts of... So we've not got Alcadim confirmed, uh, but maybe we've just got an entirely new setting. Who knows? I don't know. Not me. Or I'm sure you can drop a small island into the Forgotten Realms without, you know, messing, messing up the Forgotten Realms. There's got to be uh, lots of islands that they haven't bothered naming. I mean, maybe it's always been there, but they've uh, forgotten about it. 
Call <laughs> of the Nether Deep. Yes, yes. So I don't really know much about this. I've seen almost no publicity, pretty much no publicity about it whatsoever. Yeah. What I know basically is a critical role written, D D yeah. hardcover, coming from Wizards of the Coast, and it's kind of underwater themed, I think. I think Claudio Posas described it as Call of the Nerf Herder, uh, has a misreading that occurred to him. I'm like, okay. Uh, I don't know. I, yeah. I, I don't know. We'll just have to wait and see. I'm okay. sure a thousand critical role fans will obviously call in to let us know exactly why I am wrong. <laughs> yeah. Because that's well, the fastest way to get information on the inside. Just post up something you know is wrong, and then there'll be instant... Instant rust, instant explanation of what the right answer is. Yeah. Well, this this this, this book is yeah. set for a release on March the fifteenth. Nice, nice. Or is it? Bum, bum, so in North America, it is still set for release on March the fifteenth. Yes. However, in Europe, yep. it has been delayed. Ah. Due to Wizard of the Coast says Kraken related shipping delays. Kraken related shipping delays. Yes. I see. Yes. Kraken related shipping delays have delayed it in Europe to April the fifth. Mm, mm, mm. Yes, yes. I, uh, I'm, I'm laughing on the inside. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's not the first time this has happened in recent months. So these shipping, oh, obviously, these shipping delays are hitting everybody. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I'm, I'm fulfilling level up in a couple of weeks, and mm-hmm. hoping. Yeah. They don't, they don't, you know, give me a good thwack as well. Mm-hmm. Hoping, 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 hoping. But, yes. um, so, um, the core book gift set, as you recall, the one with Mordenkainen presents Monsters of the Multiverse. Yes. That was going to be in December, ended up yes. being slipping to January. Yes. And then Fizzband's Treasury of Dragons. Yes. That got delayed by a week. Yeah. Last year. And Strixhaven, A Curriculum of Chaos by three weeks. Mm-hmm. And I think if you're in um, Australia, I think one of those was like a month or two, like a yeah. lot later. Mm. So this is kind of an ongoing thing at the moment. Yeah, yeah. They, well, it's just the nature of distribution. Yeah, Tricky. yeah. So, yeah. So basically, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. If, were you going to buy it? Uh, what, Mordenkainen Presents? No, no, no. The uh, Call of the Netherdeep. Oh, no? No. I'm I'm having far too much fun home brewing my own stuff at the moment right, right. to be bothered with modules. It's like it is just like currently I have a um, in effect a a Cornish halfling vampire mm. has the leader of a city, and my hero is like, what What do we do with this? We should we feel we should do something about this, and um, yeah, it is just it's just. I'm, I'm having a great time. They're, they're, they're probably having a great time, but I don't really mind. They keep mm. turning up, and that's on them. Hmm. Yes. Hey, I know what we yes. mentioned. Your Kickstarter oh. finished. Oh, yes. I suppose that was a couple of days ago. Yeah. yeah it seems like ago. much longer. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> and you got the PDF out in, I think you said, 14 minutes? Yes, yes. That was, that was from, like, start of the thing. And thank you very much for your... Amateur. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I, 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 I'm not disputing that in any way. But thank you very much for your help in um, little things like making sure the cover went up so I could actually do such a thing like that. So, released this week was Adventures in Zeitgeist. Yes. That's your uh, that's Bill Booth's release. Uh, I believe someone described it as their best day ever, and it wasn't me. 
So, <laughs> <laughs> so this is uh, it's for level up, advanced fifth yeah. edition, but it's also good, yeah. you know, c- by definition compatible with uh, old mm, fifth yeah, edition five E. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so it's in PDF at the moment. Uh, hardcover yeah. is coming, and it's a two hundred eighty-five book detailing the Zeitgeist setting. Nice. Uh, and it includes six new heritages, which are the Diva, the Knoll, the Goblin, the Kobold, the Lizard Folk, and the Minotaur. Mm, nice. It's got 16 archetypes or subclasses, as we like to yes. yeah. A bunch of new backgrounds. It's got six new cultures, a dozen feats, over 30 new magic items, and just like 200 pages of important zeitgeist setting lore. Yes, yes. And as well, of course, I think the adventure pathway. It's not in this book, no. Not in this book. Oh, okay. It right, would not be in like... this book. Yeah, the Zeitgeist Gears of Revolution and Adventure Path is about 1,500 pages in length. This is a 285-page book. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I apologize for my mistake. The Gears uh, of Revolution okay. Adventure Path is available separately, though, and has been for ages. But, uh, Absolutely. But this oh, book's yes. new. And this book is, is the new. setting guide. Exciting. Yes. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. So you can create good. your own adventures in Zeitgeist. Yes. Hence, exactly. I suppose, the name. Well, this book's actually set 20 years after the Adventure Path. Uh, yes. So if you've played the Adventure Path and you buy this, this is kind no. of kind of relaunching 20 years later. Because the Adventure Path's been around for years now. It was yeah. around for Pathfinder 4E, 5E. Mm. Yes. So it's been around well, for about 10 years. Dungeons & Dragons 4E, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Mm. Oh, Pathfinder, comma, 4E. Sorry, Path- I Pathfinder, comma, 4E, comma. Yes. Yes, yeah. Sorry, my, my apologies. I don't know why my brain assumed that you were talking about the fourth edition of Pathfinder, because that would make no sense. I will remember to include my punctuation in my sentences from now on, full stop. Now then, comma. Thank you. As I was saying, comma. <laughs> <laughs> I do apologise to our listeners. It is indeed one of those podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> what? Crap podcast. <laughs> ah, you wouldn't me, sir. You wouldn't me. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah, we're kind of launching off the sort of setting 20 years later. We've moved yeah, the yeah. timeline on 20 years. I mean, we, we had Ryan knock on relatively recently to talk about Death of the Author, I think. Uh, yeah, about a year ago, I think it was. But, yeah. Oh, because it's not that long. So, um, <laughs> in other news, this yes. Yes. is... I'm going to skip over the NFT and blockchain stuff because oh, I still so don't really understand it. And uh, but some Chaosium isn't any more Kickstarter still is. There you go. That's yes. it. That's so, some reason to use. I'm not saying anymore. Kick, Kickstarter still doing blockchain. Chaosium is is like oh no, everybody hates this and has written in to tell us we should probably stop doing it. And mm. uh, Wizards of the Coast probably will go for NFTs at some point if it can work out a way to make money out of them. Guess so. So, talking Wizard of the Ghost. Yes. Uh, you know, they, their earnings thingy, whatever it was, um, announced Profits. that they, they were their yes. billion, their first billion dollar RPG company or tabletop gaming company. Goddamn. Yeah. So, a hedge fund investor mm-hmm. in Hasbro called Outer Fox Capital yeah. has published a 100 page PDF yes. calling for Hasbro to spin Wizard of the Coast off as its own company um now it's a 100 page pdf and the reasoning is within that 100 page pdf i've not read that 100 page pdf and you know what i'm not gonna solid choice i like it i mean this is these these are the investors and uh, you know we're not just talking like random spots on the internet yeah they they obviously have some financial reason for thinking that will benefit them more 
Yeah, yes. I, I mean, I'm not quite sure how they hope to asset strip it in order to more effectively generate money out of it before right. dumping it. Oh, here we go. So Daryl's summarised yeah. it. I just clicked over to Daryl. So Daryl's, Daryl's looked at the document, the document that I will never look at. Good, and good old Daryl reading things. Yeah, he's, he's a champion for that lad. <laughs> Thanks, Daryl. So he says that they claim that Hasbro yeah. uses the profits generated by Wizards of the Coast, which is yeah. their most profitable division, yes. to finance less profitable um, ventures. Right. Which, if they were split off, yes. it would mean that those profits, instead of being invested in future products, would go to the shareholders. So the shareholders would benefit directly from splitting it off. Right. Is, is, is what, is, is what Daryl says they say. Right. right. It's what I say okay. Daryl says they say. Okay. So to maximize profits to shareholders, they should. Okay. I, I can sort of see where that's coming from. I mean, if you're a hedge fund, you only care about the bottom line, don't you? That's basically yeah, your yeah. job. Yeah. Yeah. You have no uh, other job than to do that. Yeah. I, I suppose it depends upon whether you care about the existence of the company long term, mm. because you know there are trends and different movements in. Well, well, it's the interesting world. because obviously Wizards of the Coast was originally a separate company before Hasbro bought it, yeah. and then it did well partly yeah. because it was part of Hasbro and received, uh, you know, the the synergy of that plus yeah. the resources that Hasbro could provide. Yeah, yeah. And now they're saying now split it off. So would it? Wizards of the Coast do as well, separate from Hasbro. I mean, it would certainly lose a lot of the synergies that it gets from being part of the Hasbro marketing machine, mm. and that is not something. Uh, you like know, they can have shared infrastructure, like probably like I don't know for yeah. sure, but it's like human resources, for example, they probably yeah. don't have a Wizards human resources department and a Hasbro mm. human. They have just Hasbro just has you know that sort of thing. Yeah. Like, the, 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 it's, it's just like basically someone's like looking at the numbers without flying for essentially yeah. accounting. And then they've probably got like a shared Netflix account and they probably have to get separate Netflix accounts then as well. I mean, oh, that's such a hassle. Yeah. They've taken that into account. Yeah. yeah. And that's and, like, that's like mean, $14.99 a month now. And, and it would cause Wizards to incur like a lot of extra costs when they're producing lots and lots of little plastic figures for uh, D&D games that I buy for little plastic figures. Mm which caused the little pri- the price of little plastic figures from Wizards Games, which I don't intend to play, to go up. Hmm. And that's not acceptable, Russ. Not. I just not want to take them. No. Hmm. Um, so Free RPG Day has been announced for 2022. Oh, exciting. In North America, it's June the 25th, and in the rest of the world, it's July the 23rd. I don't know why they're different days, but they are. Oh, good Lord. Um... There's no announcements of specific products yet, but um, ICV2 has reported on some of the participating companies. Mm-hmm. So free RPG Day is kind of like free comic day. You can go into a local game store and get a free product of some kind. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we've got people like Catalyst Game Labs, who do uh, Shadowrun, don't they? Yeah. Darrington Press, which is the critical role company. Goodman Games, yeah. Paizo, mm-hmm. Q Workshop, which is a dice company. Renegade Game Studios, which is a bunch of, has a bunch of those licenses, like I think they're doing like the Transformers and stuff. For, yeah, yeah, GI yeah. Joe, Power Rangers, all that yeah. jazz. Yeah, uh, Steam Forged Games, they're the um, Dark Souls and other things. Yeah, that yeah. we've been talking about it for a couple of weeks now. WizKids, obviously, board games, miniatures, all sorts of stuff. No, well, Steam Forged is doing the non-Japanese the Fifth Ed edition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, I just got uh, another news item in. Oh, dropped nice. into my inbox from Modifius. Breaking news. 
But Modipius has just announced that you can play as a Klingon mm-hmm. in this 17-page oh. adventure called Upsetting the Balance. Nice. It's a PDF, 17-page adventure, and you can grab that from Modipius right now. Here's a chance for all our fluent Klingon speakers, uh, GMs and players alike, to really get your Klingon. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. I, I mean, and you think I'm joking, but Geolingo has a whole course on Klingon, which I'm afraid I couldn't quite get into. So there we go. You know, it's like, like 200 created, sort of like artificially created languages. Yes. Like problems. Klingon. Yeah. I mean... I, I didn't know it was up to 200, but that is a lot. Yeah. No. I mean, the famous ones, obviously, I suppose, are Klingon and um, a couple that Tol- Tolkien made up, didn't he? Oh. Uh, Quenya and... Tigmar? No, it's something else. No, it's Quenya, which is the Elven language. And there's another one he did. Is it Mordor? Dark Speech? Or something like that? Maybe. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, it's not deep speech. Yeah. Well, I mean, if I was going to go for really famous, I'd probably have said something like Esperanto. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Oh, but we're, we're talking about conlang specifically within the RPG sphere. List yeah. of constructed languages. Oh, God, I'd yes. just like to say that we do not need to read out all 200 of them. Are you sure? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it might not be 200, but it is a lot. Yeah. It is a lot. That sounds like a lot. Yeah. Ooh. Engineered language, artistic. God, there's loads of them. Yeah. Klingon, Atlantean, Barsoomian. Ah, uh, yes. I didn't realise that all these were there. Vulcan? Have they actually done Vulcan? It seems logical. Huh. Okay. Anyway, there we go. Here there be dragons. Yes. Oh, yes. Now that, 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 like, I mean, why did I have to find out about this from Facebook for us? <laughs> so this is... Well, it's not role-playing game news, really. I wouldn't normally cover something like this, but... It's a, it's a new setting. Well, new to me, anyway. Here There Be Dragons is a musical coming to New York. Oh. Huh. I it's, thought you were talking about the setting you released for Advanced 5th Edition last week. What setting did I release for Advanced 5th Edition last week? The, the one with the map that you've well, been working that's, on. Well, that's called The World of LSR. Yes. It's not Here There Be Dragons. Um. <laughs> okay, sure. Why not? <laughs> I'm very, very okay. confused. It's easy, done. Here There Be okay. Dragons yeah. is a musical. Yeah, okay. Coming to New York, inspired by Dungeons and Dragons. Okay, that's great. I mean, why are we talking about it? Okay, inspired <laughs> by Dungeons and Dragons, Paul. Back on top. Oh my right. god, this is hard work. It, it is, yes. This is really hard work. Okay, so, it's coming to New York. It is a musical seeing characters exploring a fantasy world populated by people and monsters designed to represent the real-life feelings and issues they're wrestling with. It's described as mm. a musical quest. Oh, yes. Yeah, so it's directed by someone called Austin Hardison. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I, I don't know theatre at all, but the book and the lyrics for Here There Be Dragons... My familiarity with the New York theatre scene is not what it should be. Yeah, where no. uh, the lyrics and dialogue were written by Chase O'Neill, mm-hmm. who has directed other things and written other things. Oh. I'm, just, I'm literally skimming through this as, as I talk about it, so... <laughs> I, I would never have guessed Yeah, this. yeah. <laughs> That's why it's tripping so flowingly off my tongue. Yeah. Uh, the first performance of Here There Be Dragons, a new musical quest is going to take place on June the 16th. Mm-hmm. It's going to run through to July the 17th yes. at the Players Theatre in New York. And mm-hmm. the prices for tickets are start at $47. Oh, okay. That seems quite good for an eating of musical theatre. Hmm. Yeah. There we go. That's your, that's your uh, Broadway musical news for the week. Yes. Assuming that is Broadway. Broadway. It, might, it might not even be Broadway. Who knows? 
Sure, who knows? We don't. Well, they, they probably know. Well, if, if you do know, uh, remember to write into morrisonpodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> well, perhaps they do, perhaps they don't. I don't like to stereotype. Yeah. But anyway, what about the world of LSR? What about it? Can you tell me a bit more about it? Because I saw some stuff on Facebook. You've shown me a map that you're working on. But and like, I know it's connected to How to Slay a Dragon and the Starter Adventure, which I'm currently blanking Memories on. Memories of Horror. That's the one, yes. Yes, so that is set in the world of Elisar, as yes. is the To mm-hmm. Save a Kingdom trilogy, which consists mm-hmm. of To Slay a Dragon, mm-hmm. To Stake a Vampire, mm-hmm. and To Smite a Fiend. Nice. They, so these all take place in the same world. The world mm-hmm. is called the world of Elisar. Obviously, yes. like, To Slay a Dragon has been around for years, and mm-hmm. Memories of Horror Show has been around since last November. Well, we released it in November, I guess, when the Kickstarter yeah. ended. So, um, so it's all of like four months old, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. No. Well, no, I mean, the setting and like Holdenshire and stuff have been around since the original Pathfinder version of Slayer Dragon. So that's probably six or seven years old, I think, at this stage. Right, right. Yeah, it, it just it just feels kind of like the opposite of the Wizards of the Coast publicity policy, where they reduce tiny little bits of information at a long time, where you just go, oh, info dump, and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, no one. This isn't news to anyone anymore, so, yeah. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, this isn't really a release or anything. I, I made the yeah. web, I, what I did was I made a website yes. for it. Yes. But I didn't really particularly, I haven't really launched anything with it yet. When the To Slay a Dragon, well, when To Save a Kingdom comes out with a Kickstarter yes. later this year, which will be a hardcover mm. adventure path, that's kind of where Ooh. the publicity for that's going to happen. But yeah, the website is out right. now, so if you wanted to look at it, you can see it, and it's got some maps and little bits of information on it. So there, there is an adventure path for Advanced Fifth Edition called To Save a Kingdom coming out later this year. Yeah, so that would be at uh, worldofelisar.com, E-L-I-S-S-A-R. That's quite exciting. Hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I realise for you, Advanced Fifth Edition is old news, and you're moving on to bigger, braver projects. But for some of us, this is still quite exciting news. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Right. In other news, is there any other news? Let's have a look. I think we may have pretty much covered the news now. Yes. I was wondering. Um, Were you? Have you got any news about the system re- reference document? I, I have plans to be thoroughly obnoxious. Using that document, right? Every okay. time I come across a thread where people are saying we don't we don't understand this very simple concept, I'll just be like, "Oh, here's do you a mean link. a system Enjoy. reference document or the online tool site?" I'll take both. Okay, because they're two separate things. Online tool site would be better, but okay. I'll take a system reference document if I if I have to. All right. Okay. So, yeah. as you know, it's taken me about four months to put all the data into the online tool site. This has been an epic of data entry, and it's just and me doing it. I mean. Like, literally, we have people called data entry specialists who do it for us. It's like 1,500 pages of content have been entered into that site. It is an immense amount of content. Mm. I am still confused. I'm bemused. Impressed, but confused. So the data's all in there. We're just just a few last coding little bits to do, just to get it displaying correctly. Yes. And that online tool site will basically be ready to go. So it's just, it's just, it's, you know, it's, it's just some bits now to do on that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So the SRD, of course. So the oh. online tool site contains pretty much mm-hmm. all of the content yes. um, from from the level up rule books. Yes. The SRD is slightly different. A system reference document is a legal document which defines what is open gaming content and what is not. Yes. Generally speaking, that takes the form of a whole bunch of open gaming content in a PDF. Like yes. not formatted for prettiness or anything, just no. just kind of listed and stuff. Yes, with pretty much all the extraneous stuff stripped out, so it's going to have a lot less text than the tool site has. 
Yeah. Like where the tool site will give you an example or talk or give you the introduction to something. Or, mm-hmm. you know, when you get to the feats, the tool site will explain what feats are and stuff. The SRD yeah. will just list the feats and yeah. Yeah, sort of thing. So it's mm-hmm. where books then the tool site and the books mm-hmm. themselves. Because it's a tool. Yes. It's just it's there of to course. identify OGC. That's all it's for. That's only, oh. it's, it's sole purpose. Right. So, so it won't have things like um, the uh, encounter creation guidelines. It might have. But it's it fine. We'll There's see. 1,500 pages of content. Yes. I put them all into long. the tool site over a period yeah. of about four, four months. months. Yes. And that was hours and hours and hours each week. It wasn't it little. Was, yeah. Okay. It's what, now, that same 1,500 pages of content I've now got to put into the SRD. I've got to do yeah. the same thing all over again. I've gotten as far as the end of classes. I'll tell you that much. Good lad. That's huge. <laughs> sure. It's well. an immense task. It's massive. It, it is an immense task. And I've done it once and put it on the tool site, and now I'm doing it again to put it in SRT. So no I'm going as fast as I can, that's all I can say on that. I'm going as fast I, as I can. I, I mean, data entry specialists exist for this exact sort of thing, but okay. Yes, but they wouldn't know what I want to be open gaming content and what I don't, and me telling them exactly what I want to be open gaming content and don't is as fast as me just doing it yourself. Doing it myself. Okay. So no, fair enough, fair enough. Might as well just do it myself. At that okay. Because I'd still no, have to go through and mark everything that I wanted them to include and not include, yeah, which is no, exactly what I'm doing anyway. So. No, no, okay. I'm with you, I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. But yeah, wow. 1,500 pages. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's that. Time. That's a lot of pages. Right, Sue, that is the end of the news. I do believe that is the end of the news. We could do a couple of Kickstarters. Oh, yes, yes. Anything interesting uh, popped up? Uh, so there's Sunken Isles. This is... I'm, I'm. It sounds piratey. I'm loving it already. Well, this is from... So these are the people like Ghostfire Gaming and Eldermancy who okay. uh, do a lot of sort of million-dollar Kickstarters. Mm-hmm. Or close to a million dollar Kickstarters. They're kind of massive. Yeah. So Eldermancy themselves have done three. Mm-hmm. And then Ghostfire Gaming, they've also kind of partnered with, has been responsible for some as well. So they did that Seeker's Guide to Twisted Taverns. Mm-hmm. Do you recall that one? That was, uh, that was last a, year? Yeah. yeah. That was out at the same time, I think, the Lord of the Rings Kickstarter. Somewhere around there. Anyway, yeah. that did $1.6 million. With 17,000 right. backers. I mean, they're massive, these guys. Yeah. They're, you know, bigger than us by, you know, they're massive. Yeah. So they've got another one out. It's called Sunken Isles. So far, mm-hmm. it, well, it's got 28 days to go and it's done a quarter of a million so far. Nice. So it's going to be another million dollar one, I guess. Yeah, seems likely. Your characters are on a magical island and they have 20 weeks to save it. It's an adventure path covering 20 levels across the weeks mm. as you wade into branching path adventure Stories meant. I don't think that's the sentence that was meant there, but still. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that that's D and D fifth edition, obviously. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Well, as well. In other waters, tide break. Ooh. Yeah. So this is another mothership powered. Do you remember we talked about dive last week? Yeah. Which was kind yes, of yes. That was the underwater abyssal mothership. Okay. Yes. So this is yeah. mothership exploring an alien sea planet. It's an adventure. I, it's a 44 page adventure. I, I think that these two things should go well together. I would imagine so. Yeah. 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 Um, so Ooh. that one, that one's, that one's doing well. It's, uh, done 50 grand of its $5,000 goal and it's got a week to go. Nice. 
I must get a hold of a copy of Mothership. Just yes, so I can you should get hold of a copy. actually know what on earth it's. Well, you should have bought the Kickstarter, I guess. Yeah, just don't really hold. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. We we have different opinions on box sets. Like, oh, well, uh, you, box sets or not? You do like box sets a lot. I'm 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 a bit of an hour about them. Yeah. If oh. I had my way, everything would be a box set. If you had your way, all RPGs would be on A0 paper <laughs> <laughs> with, a, with a title that took up the entire front cover of the book. And the problem with this is what, exactly? I'm not saying it's a problem. <laughs> I'm just saying there are some practical difficulties. <laughs> Won't someone please think of the GMs? I mean, you know, a regular a regular rucksack Things are only lock. worth it if you have to work for them. That's what I think. It's like a regular rucksack for us will only will not contain an A0 rule book. I'm just throwing that out there. Well, anyway, what about the Toxic Wood, a dangerous forest setting for your OSR games? Mm. Useful? Um, Again, funded well and truly, offers forest-related hooks, rumours, hex locations, monsters, NPCs, random tables, and more. Plug in, plug in dangerous forest. Okay. Is there, is there anything particularly extra foresty about it? What do you mean extra forest? It's got trees. Okay, no, I mean, no. you don't get more foresty than trees. I mean, uh, what is more foresty than trees? I don't know. I, more I, trees. I played a lot of games in forests, is what I'm saying. I mean, I just, yeah. I'm looking for a little something extra, but all right. All right. All right. I'm, sure, I'm sure it's an extra Kickstarter. Come on. Okay. Um, the Gaia Complex, a game of flesh and wire, cyberpunk RPG set in New Europe in the year 2119. Right, 2119. Okay. 2119. Yes. Yes. I, it's I mean, fun. There's a 48-page quick start you can get. Yeah. And the actual thing is 112 pages. The book contains weapons, cybernetics, corporate histories, black markets. Yeah. Lots yeah. of lots of cyberpunk goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in other, other RPG Kickstarters, we've got Malpractice, which is a card-based RPG. So this is, you play a new hire at a discount medical center. Right. You're trying to save lives, pay your student debt, avoid malpractice, and not upset your mob boss. I mean, apart from maybe that very last part, I know people on Twitter who are like, why is this an RPG? This is just my life. (laughs) (laughs) I say maybe. I don't don't know their lives. Anyway. (laughs) And then finally, we've got 13 Hunters. Oh, yeah. 13 Science Fiction Bounty Hunters for your game. System neutral. Hmm. That's quite cool. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of, I suppose, if you've been watching Boba Fett and The Mandalorian and stuff. Mm, mm. It's yeah, kind of good true. timing if you wanted to do some kind of yeah. game kind of centred around that sort of thing. Yeah. Like, just take one of these out, drop them in, localise yeah. it, and away you go. Good times. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Welcome, friend. I see you're new to the Forgotten Dragon support group. Yes, I must admit I'm a bit shy. Five decades of being ignored by almost every core rule set will do that, my dear fellow. You're with friends here. Oh, yes, yes, thank you. So, can you tell me a bit about the group? Certainly. This support group meets weekly and consists of dragons whose colours are generally overlooked by the mainstream adventuring industry. It's awfully crowded. Well, there are a lot of colours, old chap. I mean, aside from the usual red, green, blue, black, and white. White's not even a proper colour. It is a travesty how white got into the books whilst you, a lovely shade of yellow, did not. And I do admire your glorious pinkness. 
Thank you, Kaiser. We pink dragons with our breath of candy truly deserve a place in the upper echelons of dragonkind. Ooh, and I see we have mauve and orange and brown dragons here too. I'm just wait until you see the peach and beige dragons. So, tell me, young fella, what's your story? Well, it's been a struggle just getting those heroes and dragon slayers to even take me seriously. I hear you. I issue dire threats, I harass livestock, I even kidnap the odd villager, but nothing. All they care about is those boring old reds and blues. I once raided the Princeling's sixth birthday celebration. I wreaked havoc, I can tell you. But they all just thought it was part of the act. One chap with a big moustache and a dragon ants even tipped me. Oh, who is this magnificent creature? Ah, yes, the polka dot dragon. I fear he has the worst of it all of us. He does look a bit like a collection of brightly coloured party balloons. I hear the children chase him, not the other way round. Oh, terrible, terrible thing, to be sure. The good dragons. They get it easy. Even the lesser-known metallics get respect. Yeah, I've never heard anyone mock an adamantine or iron dragon. But, you know, one mention of teal or auburn, and it's all rolled eyes and snorts of derision. Mm, You should see what happened to that bitter lemon dragon last week. Bitter lemon? Yes, a ferocious beast with a deadly breath of citrus. Is that him over by the... Is that a fuchsia dragon? Yes, yes. Bitter lemon, fuchsia, and café noir form the terrible triumvirate of the eastern wastes. Never even heard of them. Exactly. And that, my friend is what we're here to rectify. Now, who's here? Hmm, now yeah, well, it looks like Burgundy, Burnt Sierra, Champagne and Khaki are all here. Yes, and there's Grape, Macaroni, Neon Carrot and Bluish. Oh, that's quite the gathering. You know, I feel better already. Mm. There's nothing like solidarity to bolster the spirits. So, what's the plan? We intend to combine our resources and show everybody what's what. What, like the way the traditional worms have Tiamat, the mighty queen of chromatic dragons, with her heads of red, green, blue, white and black? Yes, yes, exactly. The combined splendour of our many colours will surely inspire the awe and respect we deserve. (laughs) Now what do you get if you combine yellow, pink, mauve, orange, brown, peach and beige? I think all combined that that comes to a delightful shade of... Mm? Well, it's kind of a greenish grey. Kind of a greenish grey? I don't really know what else to call it. I don't really think that kind of a greenish grey is something we can exactly rally behind. Well, it just needs a name. What's greenish grey? I don't know. Damp mud? There we go. Damp mud. You're proposing that our mascot to stand proudly alongside the exalted Queen of Dragons, Tiamat herself, be a damp mud dragon? Well, yes. It could be worse. I quit. Hello, everybody. Uh, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We just wanted to mention our Patreon. Peter, are you familiar with our Patreon? Oh, is it uh, patreon.com slash Morris? Yes. M-O-R-R-U-S. At patreon.com forward slash Morris, you can find our Patreon, which is what pays for our podcast and buys yes. us all these wonderful microphones and yes. mixers and other little bits and pieces. 
And wires, so many wires. And all these wires. Uh, we have a load of wonderful Patreon backers at the moment. And yes. those backers get... We cherish you all. Yes, we do cherish them very much. And those backers yes. get bonus content every single week, just as a thank you for, uh, for backing our Patreon. And because they're so awesome and so quick off the mark, they also get to like talk to us in our Discord channel, which is pretty good. Mm. And we sometimes even deign to answer that. Uh, but even more importantly, when we have guests coming onto the show, they have the opportunity to ask questions of those guests. Um, mm. And then we will pass on the questions that we think we, our guests will answer. So please, if you do enjoy the podcast, head on over to patreon.com forward slash Morris. Link will be in the show notes. Yes. And support us, even with just a dollar a month. Every little, every little bit helps. What should we talk about this week, Chris? Well, you mentioned the price of RPGs, which I thought might be an I, interesting topic. I mean, it's probably okay. a, a fairly fairly short topic, but we could talk about yeah, yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. There's probably um, a few different angles you can look at it from. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, there are some people who have very strong opinions on this, and there are some people who also have very strong opinions on this. Well, it's a topic that exists. Agree. Of course there are. <laughs> <I mean. laughs> <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. So yeah, there's different ways. So you, so you can approach it from the point of view of there are people in the world who don't have the resources necessarily to buy loads of fifty dollar core rule books. Mm-mm-mm. You can also pro- look at it from the point of view that game designers and writers get paid almost nothing, and that is yes. because books are often, you know undervalued mm. so you've got those kind of two opposing things pushing it in two different directions there yeah, yeah um i don't know what are your feelings on the topic what do you what do you think i mean do you feel the books are overpriced underpriced i mean obviously you like i feel there is a aren't representative of the world in any way but you personally uh, yeah, uh, true uh yeah i feel that the books are probably quite underpriced mm. certainly i read a lot of creators who are working immense numbers of hours for very little monetary return. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, um, that kind of comes down to the per word kind of rates that publishers can afford to pay. Well, yeah. Um, I mean, like, it's just part of the general putting things together. And if you can, uh, it's like the existence of, I mean, electronic copies make things a lot easier, yes, but yeah. then you also have things like printed copies, which can be better better value and a lot of people really like their print copies how do you kind of feel about the price difference between a print copy and a pdf copy because you do get and if you look on somewhere like drive to rpg you'll see all these different things so some some companies the pdf copy will cost pretty much the same as the print copy not often but very occasionally mm. you'll see that others they do yeah. it for like half price as the pdf copy compared to the print others like the print the print might be something like 40 or 50 dollars mm. And they yeah. put the, the PDF there for just like tech or something, you know, really mm-hmm. So what's your kind of feeling on where that should sit? Well, it's tricky because I don't really have a full analysis of the facts and figures, but like from a logistics point of view, actually getting a dead tree copy of a book into someone's hands is a much bigger undertaking than the distribution of a electronic file. I mean, essentially, once you have created the electronic file, then yeah, it's pretty pretty easy to get get to people mm-hmm. uh, in a way that like actual proper books, actual proper books. That's very very classed on me. <laughs> um, are not. 
So yeah, uh, I I don't think that they should cost the. Uh, I don't think that it should cost like the same amount because it's not the, it's not representative of the same thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's tricky because you once you once you create an RPG, then you are basically you're you're basically investing costs, mm. and you need to recoup the costs, right? I mean, that's just basic facts. Yes, that's uh, yeah, you got to have a writer to create things, an editor to read what they've written, a layout artist. Um, actual artists and so forth. And there are various places we can cut these things out. But, you know, even a small, a very small project, a micro project like mine, which had a, a, a honking great 48 pages. Mm. <laughs> um, that was immense amounts of work. And I had to essentially get uh, friends to edit it for me. And I'm working to, I like to think, a very high standards of writing to begin with. So maybe it's like, a lot less effort and un- and 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 crucially right what i was producing and what i've always been very open about is it is a collection of information it's basically a data and reference table with some explanatory text mm. to allow people to create their own stuff so how much did you say you spent on it if you want to share that you don't have to obviously but well i've got the money that i am painted layout artist and then there are small like small gifts that I'm getting for people. I mean, the thing is, I haven't received the money yet. No, so no, I you need won't to, two weeks, yeah. No, no, I, I need to get get the money through and do the final things. But yeah, um, I, I mean, but basically I have to, I want to be able to pay myself first mm-hmm. because like, whilst it is a labour of love and I very much appreciate the stuff that's been done for it, also my time has a value. Um, I, I don't expect to recover anything like my usual hourly labour rate that I would charge for my day job. So yeah, it's a tricky one. Hmm. I don't know how yeah. much. I mean, I, I mean, I mean, it's, it's, it's very, I, I've loved the sport. It's been amazing, but I need to like, look at it. It's, it's basically, it took about three months of work for something that I understood very well. Hmm. And which is not like, it's sort of, it, it does draw upon a lot of existing work, hmm. which I knew very familiar with. If I was like trying to create a setting book, I'm, I'm not even sure I would, to be honest, just because the from the ground up nature of it, it's just so big. And also, it's like just things that I didn't know that I didn't know when I started the Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't know, for instance, that a um, a Google document page would not translate, it would not translate to a laid out page. Yeah, I don't understand how yeah. you didn't know that. <laughs> I mean, you've used Google Documents before when you've seen books before and you've seen they don't look the same, presumably. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, like, I, I, I like to think I'm not massively intelligent, but, uh, yeah, I, I didn't really, I didn't really twig. Like, I was putting in artwork, but uh, I, I had a stab at layout and has, and basically, as you said, it was too ugly to sell. I didn't say that. I kind of Did you? Implied didn't that. you? I, was, I, like, I think I couched it nicer than that. You showed it to me, and I was I, like... I, I paraphrase, but I believe I keep, keep your meaning. I was kind of like, I, I want Peter to succeed. Yeah, I cannot yeah. let him try and put that on sale, looking like that. I have to yeah, yeah. I have to persuade him to get a layout artist, which you did. Yeah. You got DM um, Sarah. Yes, yes. Who did a did, wonderful uh, job. It looks amazing. It does, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. Um, I had to, to source it. Um, I was able... Uh, I know someone who is working on a very long, detailed, and complicated project which is potentially if he manages to get it finished going to be really exciting a um 
sort of a a dark fantasy slash steampunk world which draws heavily upon the Victorian Victorian Britain era. Mm. So I've I've really but also beyond that as well, it's really quite good what I've read so far. Mm-hmm. It's just it's long. Right. And it's just him working at it. And yeah. Like I don't think I would want to commit to years of labour for such an uncertain return. Yeah, I mean, I've told you before how much I spent on level up development, and by development, I mm. literally only mean yeah. uh, writing and art that side of it. Not we're not talking printing, mm. we're not talking no, no. Shit, no, no. Any, any of the physical side of it, just yeah. that side of it. And I've told you that came to over a hundred grand before. Yeah, yeah. and you got the you got the editing as well, which is yeah, well, I, yeah, I, I part of yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, yeah, so that was. Very. That was eye-wateringly expensive to do, but you know yeah. the Kickstarter went okay. And basically, if, if the Kickstarter hadn't made a hundred <laughs> grand, I'd have been in tears. <laughs> but it did. It, it went. It went significantly better though. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. The topic we were talking about was the, the pricing of RPG yes. books or RPG yes. things. The other way to look at it, because we sort of mentioned mm. the point of view of, and we haven't really delved into that. The point of view of people in certain parts of the world that maybe do not have. The way we've all to buy fifty yeah. fifty dollar books constantly. Yeah. We talk about freelancers who do not make a living wage because mm. books are undervalued. You know, the opposite yes. thing. Books are undervalued and they don't sell at a high enough price to pay them a, a, a living wage. And then you've yeah. also got, as a point of view, hours of entertainment mm. is quite an interesting way to look at it. So if you mm. think how much would you spend on average mm-hmm. to go to a movie? I am maybe not the best person to ask because I really like going to the movies. Okay. But, all right. How so, much? Right, right, yeah. Maybe not you, Chris. Right. How much? But, yeah, average but, is a movie but, ticket? Call it a ticket. Well, well that, Call that, it that, a that's the thing. I got myself a oh, right. limitless that's, that's card. Not, that's not the point but, of yeah, the question. But yeah. you, got, you got like, what's it, a $15, 15 quid for a movie ticket maybe? No. Okay. Like, depends where you're going. So. Yeah, sometimes it's 10. Let's call it a tenner and you get two right. hours of entertainment out of it. Okay. Now. That's £5 an hour. Now. How many hours of entertainment have you derived from your player's handbook? Oh, good question. And then um, multiply that by five to see what the... That that, that would be the movie equivalent price mm, sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, that's, that's what I mean. Hours, uh, yeah. what, what it's worth to you is yeah, you spend yeah. sort of like 40 or 50 or probably like 30 if you're buying it off Amazon, 30 hmm. quid, yes. and you get hundreds of hours of entertainment off of it. Mm. There's, you know, there's a point of view that says that's a really, really, really good deal. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, similar things with live action role play mm. where tickets can be £70, but you are basically playing from Friday through to Sunday. Yeah. That is pretty damn yeah. cheap. So that's three different ways yeah. to look at it. And all three of them yeah. kind of give you a different answer as to what the price of a game should be. So it's, yeah. it's, it is kind of a tricky one. So, you know. Yeah. Um, it, but it's things like the rates rates for writers, for instance, mm. is is a, is a big deal. I mean, some people are saying it should be thirty cents per word. I'm like, well, that, that seems like a lot, uh, or it seems like a big increase over five cents a word. Mm. I don't know if this would translate to a sixfold increase in the price of books. No, no, it's one element of the price, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, because obviously you've got editors and so forth. But, but, I mean, uh, but it's not just writers, artists in the industry are often underpaid too. I mean, Claudio yeah. has talked about this at length. He's, yes. been, on the, he's oh, on, been on the show and talked about it. It's yeah. uh, Claudio Posas, artist from Brazil. Um, yeah, yeah. 
you know, it's not just writers that are underpaid, it's artists. It's every, everybody's underpaid. Yeah. Everybody's underpaid. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, all down the chain. And that's yeah. because, you know, there's a maximum amount that you can sell a book for. Yes. But then again, by the same token, obviously, that amount of money is a lot of money to pay, you know, 40, 50 quid is a lot of money to pay for something for some people. Mm. You know, but, but it's a lot. Of, I mean, some people would argue it's quite a lot of money to pay. Well, you know, what I mean? yeah, but you know what I mean. Yeah. It's kind of it's yeah. you know, and there's like different assumptions. I think in some ways, like book prices have been pretty pretty stable in some ways, mm. or they've only gradually increased mm. since since the inception of the hobby. I mean, but the cost of entry has dramatically risen. Mm. Like to have your books considered. I mean, there are people learning fantastic skills with layout, um, which puts a lot of the older stuff I've seen to shame. Mm. Like the art's better, the layout's better, uh, the quality of materials is better, the design, the thinking about it. It's like, it's skyrocketed. Mm. We're not playing, I know it sounds very obvious, but we're not playing the same game, uh, games as we were back when RPGs first came in, but we're paying very slightly adjusted prices. Yeah. I think we're paying, I think we are playing more now, but not. Yes. I don't not, think not, the. They haven't multiplied. No, yeah. They're, they're, they're not increased. I, 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 as I said, the prices have increased and there is like an element of inflation there as well. But I don't think the quality demanded has kept, has like kept up with the price basically. Okay. Here's a question for you then. Yeah. You yeah. personally, and obviously I realise you're not representative mm. of the whole world or whatever, so you can only talk for yourself. Absolutely. Would yeah. you, yes. assuming you didn't have any RPG books, but you knew, you know what they are, you're buying yeah. your first D&D books, would yeah. you pay 100 quid for a player's handbook? Absolutely not. Right. Would you pay 50 quid for a player's handbook? I'm assuming you probably got it for about 30 off Amazon or something. I don't know how you got it, but... If I don't know anything about RPGs? Well, no, you do I'm know about them. Cool. It's just you... Yeah. You're, you're, I, I, so I you know what you're buying. Yeah. You use, use, use your knowledge of what you're buying. But, um, mm. So you, you wouldn't pay 100. Would you pay 50? I would be pretty reticent right. to do so. Right. So what what do you think would be a reasonable price for a hardcover RPG world book? What do you think is a, a fair uh, price? Well, uh, well, well, that is the problem. Like, Well, you can only answer what you would pay. You can't answer for anyone else. But what would you pay? I, I mean, that's not the question you're asking. No, that is the question I'm asking. What would you pay? Uh, what would I pay? Um, I would be delighted to pay about 30 quid. 30 quid, yeah. 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 That feels like a good deal. Going up to 40, I'm like, ooh, do I really like this? 50? Because it's just like the risks involved. Mm. To me, like my, as a consumer, my, I am buying this thing. I've got to be sure. I mean, from my point of view, I only have a limited budget for my entertainment. Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty profligate in my RPG purchases. So I'm like, I just want to make sure it's something that I'm going to enjoy and get some use out of. Mm. And then as the price increases, the risk that I will buy something and I'll have 70 quid worth of stuff or a hundred pound book. If I bought a hundred pound book, right? That is a huge investment for me as the person running the game. Mm. Uh, I mean, I don't know how it would work for the other people. Does everyone have to have a hundred pound book mm. to play this game? Then you're asking for like five hundred pounds at least to get the game off the ground. Yeah, when you're talking D and D, there's three books as well. But I, I, I thought that complicated things a little. 
Well, 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 that is the thing. Like, the prices for these things fall entirely upon the DM. Mm. Generally, so yeah. it's like, yeah. yeah, I mean, because if a player shows up, I do not expect a player to show up with, I mean, I don't expect a player to show up with a book, but if they're going to buy a book, like player's handbook, yeah. Monster manual? Yeah, they're not going to okay. show up. Okay. Dungeon master's guide? I guess you can. Why? Sh- I mean, well, there's, there's just a reason. Like, yeah, why not? Like, the uh, if you're playing a druid, mm. then you've got like a bunch of beasts in the monster manual that you might want to play. If you've got like a bunch of uh, magic items, then you might want to have your own DMG for reference. But it's like, it would seem weird to me that someone had done it mm. just as of like uh, uh, an instinctual response. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I've got my instinctual response and my intellectual response, like my emotional response and my intellectual response. So it's like, I've got different answers for where I'm coming from. And like, I know 30 quid is outrageously cheap for a, for what we would call a traditional role playing game. Outrageously cheap. That is, I just don't, know how anyone's making money off it. Yeah. What about a video game? Would you pay for a, a sort of full, full-fledged, full proper, top-line video game? Oh. Um, which is going to give you, like, 30 hours of entertainment or something? Uh, well, if it's, I mean, again, like, <laughs> the, the sort of games I like, right, I really like them, and I've got, like, a couple of hundred hours, mm. or I'm, like, okay about them. Like, if I've spent 70 hours on a game, I'm like, oh, okay, I guess I didn't like it that much. And I've got games that I haven't finished. So having said that, if it's a game I'm like, yes, I'm going to love this game, uh, I'll go up to like about 50 quid. Right. So you pay more um, for a video game than you will for a tabletop RPG. Um, yeah, I guess that's fair. Yeah. Or like maybe about the same, a bit extra. Mm. I mean, it depends on how invested I am. 50 quid, I'm thinking, i got to be honest, specifically of Baldur's Gate 3, right. which wasn't even finished, but which I fully expect to enjoy and have a lot of fun. And that was based off the fact that I generally enjoy D&D-related stuff. I've had difficulty with the Baldur's Gate stories, but people seem very keen on them, so I reckon it's probably going to be quite well done. And the people that are doing it did Divinity Original Sin 2 and Divinity Original Sin, which I have played a lot of and very much enjoyed. Mm. And I know for a fact that I will not be playing this on my own. I will definitely be playing this with my wife, and we will have a great time doing so. Mm. So... That seemed like a worthwhile investment and what I went for. Generally, again, it's like 10, 15, maybe 20, maybe 30. I'm actually more willing to take a punt on an RPG book than I'm on a video game. Right, right. Yeah. Okay. So 50 quid was a high note, but is pretty expensive. Okay, here's another question. Mm -hmm. Does it make a difference to you whether you're buying it from in a shop or off Kickstarter? Are you Mm. willing to pay more on Kickstarter? Um, That is a really tough one. Because I look at my spending habits occasionally because money is a factor for me. And RPGs on Kickstarter are actually one of my worst value for money propositions Mm. in terms of I bought it and then I've used it. So comic books, graphic novels, perfect. Had a great time with those. They're very successful for me. I've had a really good time with those. I regard those as excellent. Computer games have varied, mm. but I've def- I felt I've got my money's worth out of them. RPGs, there are some that I've opened up and I've been like, oh, 
Right. Oh well, never mind. Yeah. And also, yeah. with RPGs, it's harder to find the time to play them because you need to schedule yes. all that and get other people playing. And it's, yeah. it's, more, it's, it's like a video game you can just chuck on. Or yeah, a comic yeah. book I, you could just open up and just read on your own. Whereas an yeah. RPG, you kind of need a lot more investment sort yeah. of socially as well to get that going. Yeah, and, and also it's like... Um, I think when I first started, I was backing a lot of things and didn't really have a... Basically, I assumed that the people writing these things had the same values as me mm-hmm. and shared the same ideas as me. So there was a Kickstarter for Savage Worlds, uh, Weird Wars Rome, and I was super excited for that. And I read it, and it's basically, you can only play this with people who want to play like fairly accurate Roman guys. Mm. And I'm like, oh, so you sort of like, I mean, it's like sort of really predictable, but on the other hand, I just wanted to be able to make it so it was like less, like you didn't have to play a white Roman. Right. Yeah. Or like, yeah, you know, that's like, I know that sounds really weird, but it's just like, yeah, just so people had more choices. It's like, we've got a fantasy world with the, the whole idea is it's almost like sort of the Cthulhuic, Catholic horror versus well, that's, Roman. That's, that's, more, that's kind of more of an issue with, setting the right expectations for the project you're going to yeah. get though isn't it that's a different issue I think. yeah yeah I, I mean and that, that's like my own expectations of like just having more freedom to do this sort of thing yeah. but I don't blame the creators at all I mean I imagine they would have been a bit of outrage if they hadn't done it but also sort of just disappointed mm. I, I'm not like picking on them specifically uh, and there's other stuff where it's like I don't know what I was thinking like I backed a Savage Worlds Kickstarter for Wizard of Oz and Having received it, I'm like, this is good. And I realized, I don't know anyone who's even read The Wizards of Oz, mm. let alone who'd want to play it. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like, that made me give up. Well, do you right, so that's another thing about the cost-benefit analysis of an RPG. Yeah. Is buying an RPG to read, as opposed to play, a valid proposition? Because um, I have got quite a lot of RPGs that I've read but never played. Hmm. And that's a time thing. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, I, I don't say a lot. I mean, like a hundred or so, you know. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it just comes down to who you are and what you enjoy doing. Like, I don't enjoy reading RPGs that I'm not going to play. Right. I find it really difficult to read them. Like, I'm just like, just bounce off them completely. If there's, if there's a game with really deep lore, I don't enjoy it. Unless I've started playing it. The more, if I've started playing it, there's a successful campaign going on. I will start investing and getting really into it, and then I'll read it. Mm. But the sort of the startup costs of, and you have to know all the, you basically have to do like, a, like a mini master's degree in the subject that you want to play. Mm. I'm like, I, I really, I really struggle with that, and I guess that's an expectation around law. I think that also depends on the thing because if it's like a licensed game of an IP you like. Yeah. Yeah, it's not just a game. It's often also a sort of coffee table book about that. Oh, thing, yeah, yeah. Which is kind, which is kind of fun and makes it quite readable just on its own. Like yeah, ignoring yeah. the game bits. Yeah, like a Star Wars game. Yeah, for yeah. example, it's uh, going to have a whole uh, load of sort of background stuff and, in, yeah. and stuff about you know, a, a universe that presumably you love. And and there's also some fun in just going, oh, that's Darth Vader's stats. Let's have a look at that without even yeah. playing it. It's still fun in that. I find. Oh, that, no, I mean, absolutely, that's completely valid. I, I mean, I, I can only speak 
for enjoyment for my own personal yeah. tastes and my own personal aesthetic, and I can 100% see that if you've got a really beautifully produced RPG, it's going to be uh, like an aesthetic object of value in its own right. Mm. Like, so something you can take it down, go through, look through the pages, and be like, yeah. Yeah, like the One Wing really Second nice. Edition that I got the other day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, don't know if I get to play it, but I definitely like looking at it and, you know, opening it up yeah. and reading through it and stuff like that. I, I like that. It's a, yeah. admiring the maps and, you know, reading about the sort of lore parts, and mm. I like all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's entirely valid. I mean, that makes you happy. Therefore, that is a valid use of your time. Mm. Whereas, like, again, for me, I enjoyed reading Lord of the Rings. I've read it many times. I don't necessarily want to play through it mm. because what 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 are the outcomes? We don't get the ring to mount. Well, oh, no, you don't play. You don't play that story. You play a different story in the yeah. same world, don't you? Well, so when you play I a Star Wars game, you don't you don't play the story of the Star Wars films. You play a different story in the same world. Yeah, like I, I understand what you're saying. It's just like it feels this would be an important. Like you're not. I I. I once read somebody writing that uh, players should be the most important people in the world. And that doesn't mean... Well, they're the protagonists, yeah, okay. In the story, yeah. not the world, in the story. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's like, it's like, sort of, yeah, like, yeah, exa- exactly. It's like their decisions should matter. And I think if I'm playing Star Wars, that my decisions aren't ultimately going to matter. Well, so, no, my, di- my difference there is story and world so they don't have to be mm. the most important things in the world or their decisions don't have to drastically affect the world they have to mm. be the most important things in the story you're telling right now and their decisions yeah. have to affect the story you're telling now and the story might be something really small yeah you know it might be you know in a star wars thing it, i don't i don't think like the mandalorian mm. or something yeah you know it's, it's a small story yeah there's no you know connect you know no, no connection to yeah. yeah and you can just do that sort of thing in or if you want to play Star Trek, my yeah. is Star Trek. Yeah, you're not going to play the Enterprise TV. You know, play the original series TV series. Yeah, through, are you? You're going to play your own adventures yeah. and your own shit. Oh, absolutely. And like that seems like that would be fun for other people to run, and I would give it a go. Mm. You know, uh, but I just don't want to run it myself. Yeah. It's not something that excites me personally to run. It's like yeah, I'd just rather create a custom setting for my players. Um, but obviously this has its problems. For instance, you have to share authorship more and there is a lack of law. There's a lack of deep law that you can read about. And that, that seems to make people very excited. And that's awesome for them. For me, deep law looks a lot like homework. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, It like, feels like a reading assignment that I have to complete before I can engage in the game. And that's... For me personally, a big turn off. Mm. Yeah, I'm not saying that you're wrong to like these things. I can only talk about how it feels for me. Well, like, it also if you, depends like, if you engage... on the law. I can't sit down and read a Forgotten Realms book. Yeah, yeah. you know, uh, source book. I can't sit down and read that. I can't yeah. sit down and read a Middle Earth one. So mm-hmm. you know, it depends yeah. on. I can read a Star Wars thing. You know, it depends oh, yeah, yeah. on the lore itself as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some things are more interesting to you personally than others. Some things yeah. speak to you personally in ways that others don't. Mm. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. I tend to like homebrewing because that does remove the problems you get of somebody else knowing the law better than you. Mm. Like, if you try to run, I don't know if that's ever happened to you, but you try to run a 
setting mm. and one of your players because like you know, one of your players has said you should run this setting it's amazing and you try to run it and then they've corrected you on how Dolores right yeah or your interpretation of what you've read is different from theirs yeah no that hasn't happened to me no. I have had I have had people asking me about games I've written and these hmm. are this is slightly off topic now but games yeah. I've written and they'll ask a factual question about the about the game I'll give them the yeah. factual answer and they'll disagree hmm. with me and I'm like I don't know what to tell you now <laughs> I mean, yeah. okay then fine. Why are you asking me then? Yeah, uh, I, I'm struggling to think what that would be. To be fair, but but again, this is stuff that you've written. Mm. So if it's something that you haven't written, if mm. you're like working to a third uh, to a third party's work, mm. and when I say third party, I mean like the original creators. Mm. It's like if I'm trying to run Star Trek, I've seen a bunch of Star Trek. I quite like it, but if someone pulls out something from the books or from an episode I haven't seen, I says, "Well, this wouldn't work because of this." I'd be like, "Oh." And at that point, I would stop wanting to run the game. Right. I'd be like, okay, mm. that's cool. By the way, we've drifted way off topic, so it's probably, probably yeah. a good time to call it an end there. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, we should say goodbye to the listeners. Yes, goodbye, yeah. listeners. Right, right, thank you very much for listening, and uh, speak to you next week. Bye-bye. Apparently, I now have to read this to you. This is the official podcast of Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG news, which you can find at enworld.org. You can find show notes at morris.podbean.com or wherever you found the podcast. If you feel like they deserve it, you can support the show on Patreon. In return, you will receive exclusive bonus content. Just go to patreon.com slash morris. If you're interested in his babbling nonsense, you can follow at Morris on the Twitter. Send your emails to morrispodcast at gmail.com. Not all of your emails, just the ones you want us to see. That's it. I'm bored now. You can go away. Shoo, off you go. Goodbye. Get out of here. Gosses about it. Oh, have you been assailed by another plant pot? I heard something crash out there. Okay. Hudson, Hudson ran to the back door and he's now staring at the back door. Perhaps it was an unusual high-speed squirrel. It's quite worrying. Hmm. There's not a lot I can do about that. And I don't really yeah. want to go out there either because I'm wary of getting hit in the head by a ceramic plant pot. I think that's a very, very sensible approach to take.